Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist. It's good to be with you in worship this morning and to those who are worshiping with us online as well. I greet you and thank you for joining us for worship. If you have not already filled out the attendance pads, I would ask you to find those. They're in each of the pew racks. Uh, fill that out, pass it along to those that are worshiping beside you this morning. I uh, want to give you an update on our Blanket the World with Love offering. You remember during Vacation Bible School several weeks ago, uh, the kids throughout the week were bringing in uh, money for a Blanket the World with Love offering, uh, buying uh, blankets through Church World Service uh, to send all around the world. And uh, then following that, we asked you to help them out by contributing to that offering as well. And money has continued to come in over the, over the past few weeks. And uh, as of this past week, I'm pleased to tell you that we reached the $1,000 mark, so we've provided 100 blankets to send around the world to blanket the world with love. So thank you for for, uh, contributing to that. Our Shoes for the Shoeless is coming up. The kids are going to be coming in this Saturday morning to get measured, to get their feet measured, and then uh, we'll go out and buy shoes, uh, ask you to go out and buy shoes Uh, for the children, and then they'll come back two weeks later to pick up those shoes. So we're going to need a lot of help measuring the kids' feet and getting everybody situated this Saturday morning. So if you're able to help out with that Shoes for the Shoeless, that's this Saturday. Uh, Sandy Pramer is the one to contact about volunteering. Her uh, contact information is in the bulletin, so make sure you sign up to help with that. Also in your bulletin, there's an announcement about a community worship service on August 14th, Sunday, August 14th, and this is something unique because it's going to be a combined worship service taking place on Sunday morning during our regular Sunday morning worship time. Uh, At least 15 churches from around Xenia are going to close down our buildings on that Sunday morning and we're all going to meet together at Shawnee Park for a combined worship service. We're going to be a part of that. So uh, for one Sunday, I'm going to ask you not to come worship here on Sunday morning uh, because the doors are going to be locked and there's not going to be anybody here. Uh, But we will be in Shawnee Park. That service is going to be at 1030 on August 14th. In the next couple of weeks, we'll have more information for you as far as parking. We're going to have shuttles getting people to the pavilion. So we'll have all that information coming to you in the next couple of weeks. But for right now, I just want you to make sure you get that on your calendar. August 14th, we're going to be worshiping with uh, other churches throughout Xenia in Shawnee Park. We come here this morning to offer God our worship and praise. And so I invite you into that spirit of worship and stand as you're able for the call to worship. Good morning. Please join with me in the call to worship. God is eager to restore us to right relationships. The Creator is waiting to claim us now as God's own. We have come to meet the God who welcomes us. We have gathered to experience God's steadfast love. Listen, for God will speak to those who want to hear. Turn your hearts toward the one who saves. We bow down to receive God's mercy. We open ourselves to the source of peace. God will answer us and will give what is good. God restores us to faithfulness and righteousness. We, we have come, come asking, searching, and knocking. We seek, we seek the, the good, good gifts only God can provide. Now please join with me in the sweet hour of prayer, hymn number 496.
Please be seated. Please join with me in the opening prayer. It's found in your bulletin. Living God, we come as your children to be reclaimed and blessed. We need the inner strength that comes to us through worship. All week long we have wrestled with emptiness and deceit on every hand. Take away the noisy clamor that would make us captives of human traditions. Turn us toward the source of our salvation, toward your steadfast love and faithfulness. Amen. Now for our prayer hymn, hymn number 405, Seek Ye First. Let us pray. O Lord, you bid us to seek you first, to ask and we may receive. And so we are here this morning seeking you, asking for your mercy, your grace, asking for your gloriousness to be revealed in our presence. Lord, so often we are shy to ask, not knowing even what to ask for. But Lord, you invite us to lay before you all of our concerns, all of our cares, all of our desires to be real with you, to just present ourselves to you. And so I pray that in this moment of silence, you will hear us all as we present ourselves all that we are before you. Hear us in this silence, Lord. Gracious God, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. Thank you for promising to give us all good things. May our eyes be open to the goodness that you are bringing into our lives even now. Even in the midst of our struggles, 
and our worries, to know that you are at work, working all things for the good of those who love you. We love you, Lord, and we want to see your purposes worked out in our lives. Lord, bless us not just individually, but as a church family, as we minister in your name, as we reach out in love and concern to people around this community, especially this week as we look to minister to young ones who need shoes, that as we touch their feet, just as Jesus touched the feet of his disciples, that your love may be poured upon them through us. Lord, we pray for this community of Xenia and for this country. We pray for people around the world who are in desperate situations that we could not even imagine. We pray for your peace to pervade this world. We pray for your justice to see the light of day. Lord, work in us and through us to be your agents of mercy in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. As we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite the ushers to come forward now as we worship God through our tithes and offerings.
Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Holy God, whose name is before all names, we worship you with our offerings. They represent our labor, our investment of time and energy. We want them to be put to the best possible use. May they save many from the course of evil and turn them toward faithful discipleship. May they provide bread for body and soul that your people may be preserved and strengthened for ministry. Bless and multiply our efforts, we pray. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. The Lord's Prayer. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Perseverance in prayer. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, Let me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asked for an egg, would give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. You can be seated.
prayer is one of those aspects of the Christian faith that is always somewhat of a mystery. We pray to God not only because we know we're supposed to, but because there is something within us that tells us we need to. We have an innate desire within us to be in communication with our Creator. So we pray. But we don't always understand what we're doing when we do it. And there's often some feeling of inadequacy involved. Even those who pray often feel like they should be praying more. Even those who pray magnificently feel like they should be praying better. And there's always the question of what we should be praying for or why we even pray. Are we doing it correctly, asking for the right things? If any of this is true for you, you need not feel alone. Prayer really is a bit of a mystery to everyone. I think a majority of Christians feel that way to some extent. I know that Jesus' disciples felt that way. Lord, teach us to pray, they said to their master. It's not that they didn't have any clue about prayer. They had grown up in Jewish households in which prayer was an everyday part of their experience. They had learned all the prayers that they were ex expected to pray upon rising in the morning and before lying down in the evening and for every part of the day in between. They had heard and recited those prayers every day of their lives since childhood. They knew the routine. But in Jesus, in Jesus, they saw that there was something more. They saw that Jesus' prayer life went much deeper than simply reciting the daily office. Jesus went off by himself to pray. This wasn't the daily regimen of prayer that had been prescribed for the disciples all their lives. This was something else. This was Jesus having special moments with God. The disciples probably wondered how. How was he doing it? Was there a certain posture involved? On his knees with his eyes closed and his hands folded? Standing with his arms stretched out toward heaven? What words was he saying? Was there a certain formula involved? What was he praying for? As of yet, Jesus had not given the disciples any lessons on this matter. He had kept his prayer private, out of eyesight and earshot of the disciples. But this was an essential aspect of their training. Being a disciple meant learning to be like your master in every manner of being. What could be more important to that than in the matter of prayer, how to commune with God? So they asked Jesus for a lesson, teach us to pray. In response, Jesus taught them the prayer that has been used ever since, the Lord's Prayer. Actually, the prayer that he taught them here in Luke's Gospel is very close to what we know as the Lord's Prayer, but it's a little bit different. The prayer we say regularly is the Matthew version. Luke gives us a, a stripped-down rendering. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Now for anyone who thinks that there's something magical about the words, the differences between the two prayers might be a little off-putting. Will God listen to a new translation? 
What if we leave out a line or two? Will the prayer have the same effect? For those who believe that when Jesus said, when you pray, say, that he meant it quite literally, that he was teaching them the exact formula that would give them direct access to God, then getting the right words in the right order would be incredibly important. The fact, though, that there are two slightly different versions of the prayer in the Bible, one here in Luke, the more familiar one in Matthew 6, suggests that this is not a magical incantation, that getting the exact right words and the exact right formula was never the point. It was what one is praying for that is the point. These are the types of things that we need to pray about and the spirit in which we need to pray them. Sometimes, though, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we tend to say it as if reciting the words is more important than the sentiments in our hearts or the thoughts in our minds. We mumble through on autopilot without much thought about what it is we're saying, what it is we're asking for, if indeed we're asking for anything. Our daily bread? Most of us have refrigerators that are full and cupboards that are overflowing. Some of the food we don't even get to before it expires. Why would we need to ask God just to give us just enough food for today when we already have enough food for next week before we even ask? Thy kingdom come. Is that really what we want? Do you realize how drastically our lives would be changed if God were actually to usher in his kingdom right now? I know how much you all love change. Do we really want God to completely rearrange everything that's familiar in our lives? Forgive us the same way we forgive others. A lot of people would be in a big trouble if God answered that right now. When we pay attention to the words that we're praying in the Lord's Prayer, we realize there, there's nothing magical about it. There's not even anything particularly special or, or especially spiritual about it. Jesus was teaching the disciples to speak directly and personally with the creator of the universe, the one who orders all things, the one ultimately responsible for life and goodness and justice, the one who wants to be in relationship with all of his children. Father. Father, Jesus prayed. Perhaps no one before Jesus had dared to speak so personally, so intimately to such a holy God. And lest we think Jesus could get away with it simply because he was the Son of God, he makes it very clear in Matthew's version, our Father. Jesus didn't tell the disciples, pray to my Father. He said, pray to our Father. Jesus didn't single himself out for some special status or, or claim to have some special access to God that the rest of us could only dream of ever having. We have the very same access to God as Jesus had. God is just as much our Father. There's no groveling necessary. No false modesty is needed. God is our Father, and he is ready to hear from his children whenever wherever and however we approach him. God wants us to enjoy that same level of intimacy that he has with Jesus. 
There was nothing presumptuous about the disciples wanting to have what Jesus had when it comes to prayer. It's exactly what God wanted for them. And it's exactly what God, our Father, wants for each one of us as well. We can present ourselves just as we are to God. No need to put on false airs. God sees right through that anyway. No preliminaries necessary. No no need to catch God up on what's been going on as if he's been away for a while and needs us to update him. Just start right in. Father. That was unique, what Jesus was teaching. Most of the prayers in Jesus' day were prescribed. Faithful people said certain prayers at certain times each day. The words already crafted. The sentiments already well-established. There is some benefit to having well-established pre-written prayers. For one thing, using prayers that have been written by someone else can get us outside of ourselves. My own concerns can be very localized, limited by my own vision, bound up in my own presumptions and preoccupations. When I pray someone else's words, a new world is opened up to me, and I become more connected to my brothers and sisters around the world and throughout the centuries. Author Phyllis Tickle utilizes the liturgy of the hours, praying specific prayers at certain hours throughout the day. And she speaks of gaining great satisfaction from being part of a communion of prayer, knowing that the very same words she speaks to God were prayed an hour before in the time zone to the east, and will be prayed again by Christians to the West an hour later until the same prayer has encircled the globe. I get the same feeling when I pray pray the Lord's Prayer. No matter what time of day I say the prayer, I know there are Christians in every part of the world saying the same prayer at the same time. And others have just finished. And others will soon join in. It's a prayer that unites us all in devotion. And I think that somehow, repeating those same words time and time again, even if we're not fully attentive to what it is we're praying, the repetition allows that prayer to work its way down into our soul nonetheless. Perhaps for the pre-Christian, and I'm sure that this was the case for myself at one time, there is some stealth conversion going on in repeating the words of the Lord's Prayer time and time again. C.S. Lewis preferred using fixed prayers in his private devotions because they kept the focus on more permanent things. He even opposed revising the Anglican prayer book because he said the more up-to-date the book is, the sooner it will be dated. Fixed prayers can help us to, to keep our mind on spiritual and eternal things rather than the physical and the temporal. However, God wants us to pray about the physical and the temporal too. That's what a lot of the Lord's Prayer is about when you come right down to it. Daily bread, temptation, forgiveness, those who have sinned against us. These all have a very concrete reality, a particular meaning in our own lives. What are my daily needs? They're not the same as yours. What are my sins for which I need to be forgiven? 
And who is it that I need God's help to forgive? God brings them to mind as I pray and gives me the grace to respond. What are the temptations that I come up against? I might not tell anyone else, but God knows. These are the things that Jesus is telling us to focus on in our prayers, whether we say the specific words or not. The point is gathering up all the stuff of my life and presenting it to God in prayer so that I can be present to God in everything, so that His grace might work upon me, so that I might draw ever closer to Him. That is what God wants through our prayers more than anything else to draw us closer to Him. Which is why the next thing that Jesus says could be quite off-putting if we don't take it correctly. He tells about a man going to his neighbor late at night for some bread, and the neighbor doesn't want to get up and give it to him. But if the man is persistent, says Jesus, that neighbor will get up and give him the bread just to make him go away. Is that how we're supposed to think about God? Is God like a crotchety neighbor who doesn't want to be bothered, but who will break down and give us what we ask for if we just keep bugging him long enough? Jesus does seem to be saying that we should be persistent in our prayers, just like the man asking for bread. We should continue to make our requests known even when we don't immediately realize the results of our prayers. But am I supposed to believe that my persistent prayers could actually wear God down? Change God's mind? Could I argue God into giving me what I want even though it wasn't what God wanted to give me? Could I do to God what my kids used to do to me? I don't think so. I don't think our prayers could ever convince God to do things our way rather than God's way. The story Jesus tells is actually intended to say exactly the opposite of that. The point of the story is that God is completely different from and infinitely more gracious than that neighbor. That that neighbor wants you to go away. God wants you to draw near. That neighbor wants to shut you up. God wants to hear from you. That neighbor will only give you what you want begrudgingly, but God actually wants to give you all good things. God wants you to ask. He encourages you to ask. He says, please don't go away. Keep on asking. The story has nothing to do with wearing God down. It's about continually going to that good and gracious God whom we can trust is always there for us, always listening, and always has our best interests at heart. What do you pray for? What do you expect to happen as a result of your prayer? If you simply think of God as a divine vending machine, drop in your prayers and out pops the treat of your choice, then you will become quickly discouraged in your prayer life. You may soon give up. But if you press through, if you are persistent, if you continue to place yourself before God, if you continue to make the longings of your heart known, then gradually, as God takes those prayers, God enters your heart. And God opens up His will to you until it is your own. Until your heart 
is one with God's. Until your desires match God's will for you, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God can transform your prayer life so that eventually you are praying for exactly those things that God is ready and willing to bring into your life. And you will receive them with overflowing gratitude because that is exactly what you want. Exactly what you asked for. If you abide in me, said Jesus, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus made that promise. Ask and you will receive. If we abide in him and allow his words to abide in us, if we maintain and nurture that relationship, never giving up, but always staying with him in prayer, then he will bring about such a transformation that whatever we wish for will be exactly according to his will. That doesn't mean we should wait to pray until... We understand exactly what God desires to give us so that we will be asking for the right thing. Just the opposite. He wants us to make all of our requests known to Him, to lift up the concerns of our hearts, whatever they may be. And He wants us to keep doing that again and again, day in and day out. Because it is only through that pouring out of ourselves upon God that God is able to pour Himself into us. That's why Jesus tells us to keep being persistent until we've seen our prayers answered. And that's why He can tell us with assurance that we will receive what we ask for, not through magical incantation, but through spiritual transformation. When our hearts and our souls and our minds are made one with His. Author Roberta Bondi, writing on prayer, says, if you are praying, you are already doing it right. If you are praying, you are already doing it right. Don't worry so much about the specific words. Flowery speech is not what captures God's attention. A heart bared toward Him is what God wants. Neither does God care much about your posture, only that you are inclined toward Him. So get to praying and keep on praying. Open your soul and let God in, for He is eager to give you the gift of Himself in the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God, our Father, to Jesus, our friend, and to the Holy Spirit, our comfort and companion. Amen. I invite you to stand now as you are able for our closing hymn. It's in the hymn books at 526. Let us sing together, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
go from this place, may you stay close to him in prayer, and he will continue to draw you 